Amen. I want to say thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for your giving. It just helps me to continue to do what it is the Lord has called me to do. And uh, I just want to say this week, I hope that you have been touched and blessed and the Lord has really spoken to you and touched you. Uh, I'm going to be honest, it's been very refreshing to me. Amen. Um, as an evangelist, I preach every single week of the year, sometimes multiple churches in the same week. And I just want to let you know, never take this for granted because it's not like this everywhere. Amen. As a matter of fact, to be truthfully honest, I go to some very dry churches sometimes to preach. Um, and that's okay because that's what the Lord has called me to do. Uh, I'm reminded of last year I went to preach at a church in Birmingham. I won't say the name of the church, but back in its heyday, they were growing at a rapid rate. Literally, they were taking in 100 members per month. And last year, they invited me to come preach uh, a two-day re uh, revival to the youth group. And someone in the youth group, they said, man, Caleb Gordon is different, and we're not used to that. And they said that they've never been the same since. Amen. And so that's what I do, just go wherever it is. The Lord opens the door. I wish they'd let me preach a Sunday morning there, but they're not going to have that. <laughs> but I want to say, keep me in your prayers, uh, just that the Lord will continue to use me and move in a mighty way. This coming weekend, Saturday night, Sunday morning, I'll be preaching at South Decatur Church. So if you're not doing anything Saturday, Saturday night, we'd love for you to come worship with me. September 11th at 6 p.m., Frontline Drama Team that just led us in the present award will be doing drama at Mount Olive Alliance Church, Jonathan Lankford Church. I'll be preaching that night, so I look forward to seeing you then in a couple of weeks. Amen. I want to say again, thank you so much, Pastor Kelly and Pastor Chip, really like two of my best friends, or should I say like family. You could have had anybody come and minister this week, and thank you so much that you allowed me to. It truly has just been a joy and a blessing. I want to say thank you so much, Brother Smith, for coming. Amen. Sitting on here on the second row. Back in the day when I was a teenager growing up, he pastored for a while the Rock Mountain Lakes Church of God, and he allowed me to come when I was a young minister just getting started. And on March 21st, 2018, I got to go on WGJC and do the call to prayer for the first time, and that's where I met Jessica Williams. And so we've been friends ever since, and so her and her daughter came to worship with us tonight. Thank you so much for coming. And how many of you are thankful here tonight? The Lord is always here. Amen. Last thing I will say before I dive into the word. The Lord moved Jay and his family from New York all the way to Alabama to be a part of this church. Amen. I see the shirt he's wearing, so he's officially one of us. Amen. That's all I'm going to say about that. John chapter 1, look with me, beginning at verse 43. The day following, Jesus would, the day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip and said unto him, follow me. And Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip findeth Nathanael and said unto him, we have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip said unto him, Come and see. Come and see. That's what I want to preach on to you about here tonight. Lord, if you would, I pray that you touch every single soul from the top of our head, Lord Jesus, down to the soles of our feet. 
I pray, Lord, that you continue to move and operate through the house here tonight just like you've been doing for months here. I pray, Father Lord, here tonight, if there's any skeptics, if there's any atheists in the building, I pray, Father Lord, that they will taste and see that you are good and that they will come and see for themselves. I pray, Lord, if there's anybody here tonight that's not been filled with the Holy Ghost, then we give the altar call in a little bit. Father Lord, that they will come and see just how real you are and you will endure them with power from on high. Lord, if there's anybody here tonight that needs healing or a touch in Jesus' name, I pray, Father Lord, that they will take a step of faith and they will come and see that you are still the healer and you are still the God of miracles. Have your way here tonight, Lord. In your mighty name, we pray and we ask. Let everybody say amen. Come and see. Here it is that you have Jesus, which speaks two powerful words to Philip. He says, follow me. Notice he didn't ask him to, but simply he told him to. How many of you know that the Lord doesn't always ask us to do something, but simply he tells us? And how many of you know that we must be faithful to do whatever it is that he commands of us? Here it is that, notice that Jesus did not say, follow me when it's convenient. He didn't say, follow me when it's the perfect timing. He didn't say, follow me when, or if everybody else is doing it. He didn't say, follow me when you want to, but simply he said, follow me. I'm reminded of one time. That Jesus told somebody to follow them, and they said, let me go back first. And he said, anyone that turns back is not fit for the kingdom of God. How many of you know here tonight that whenever we make up our mind that we're going to follow him, there is no going backwards, but simply we can only move forward. Here it is that he didn't say, follow me on your good days. He didn't say, follow me when your prayers are being answered, when everything is going your way. But simply he said to follow me. How many of you know here tonight that we must have a made-up mindset that no matter what, we're going to follow the Lord Jesus Christ? As I think about some of the things that I've been through in my life, how I have continued to follow him, how many of you know here tonight that just because we go through things or just because people walk away from us, that we cannot allow that to get us to stop from following Christ? It's amazing to me how we have some people that they will go through something or they will experience something. And next thing you know, they get mad at God, walk out of the church, and they want nothing to do with him. And they don't follow him all because of an event that took place. But how many of you know here tonight, come hell or high water, that we must keep our eyes on Jesus Christ, who is the author, the finisher of our faith, and we must continue to follow him? I'm reminded of what some of the things that my mom went through at a younger age. She got cancer for the first time when she was in her early 20s. Two small boys, and the doctor walked in one day, broke the news to her, to her and told her, Patty Gordon, you're going to be dead in six months. She said, God, don't let me die until my babies can take care of themselves. And can I tell you, friends, she lived another 41 years on this earth. She had a made-up mindset that when she had cancer, that when she was so weak that she could barely even stand up on her own, that no matter what, she was going to follow the Lord. I want to ask you here tonight, do you have a made-up mindset? How many of you understand we all go through things? 
The doctor said I would never walk, never talk, said I'd be mentally retarded. The reason for this was because my biological mother, she did drugs when she was pregnant with me. So from the day that I was born, the doctors had already written me off, told me that I would never make it. But can I tell you, friends, here it is that I've made it today. The Lord touched me. He saved me, filled me with the Holy Ghost, called me to preach. And I made up my mind when I was six years old that no matter what, I was always going to follow the Lord. I've been through divorce. I've been through bankruptcy. I've had a car crash in my apartment. I've had people lie on me, stab me in the back. I've had people call me a false prophet. People tell me that I'm only in the ministry for money, and I'm thinking to myself, what money? <laughs> Amen. Maybe there's a bank account for my name on it somewhere that I don't know about. But through it all, I've made up my mind I'm going to follow the Lord. Watching the drama team all this week, I'm reminded of when I was a teenager growing up at Pleasant Grove Church of God and how I was in the youth worship band and also the drama team as well. And the sad truth and reality is from age 13 to age 19, I watched a lot of my friends that at one point that were holy ghost filled, that were speaking in tongues, that were so radical, so on fire for the Lord. As they became adults, they walked out of church and they turned their back on God. But I made up my mind. I wasn't going to go with the crowd, but I was going to go with the flow of the Holy Ghost. How many of you know here tonight that if none shall go, we shall still follow? So here it is that Jesus tells Philip to follow me. I find it amazing how Jesus would speak these two powerful words to different people, people of different occupations. Some of them were fishermen, but not all of them. One was a physician. Some of them were tax collectors and did people wrong. But however, Jesus still said, follow me. How many of you know here tonight that Jesus didn't just die on the cross for some, but he died on the cross that whoever shall believe in him. How many of you know that he didn't just die on the cross for Jews? He didn't just die on the cross for whites or for blacks or for anybody else. But how many of you know he died on the cross for all of us? Can I tell you here tonight, I don't care what side of the tracks you grew up on. I don't care where you grew up at, where you came from, what your last name is, who your parents are. I don't care if you grew up Baptist, Methodist, Pentecostal, or somewhere in between. How many of you know here tonight that if you're a child of God, we are brothers and sisters in the Lord. This is not a competition, but how many of you know we are the army of God? Here it is, Philip finds Nathanael, and says unto him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Isn't it amazing how Philip is sharing this wonderful news with Nathanael? I just want to ask you here tonight, after you found Jesus or after he found you, did you start walking around and telling people about it? Or simply, do you keep it to yourself? How many of you know here tonight that he's been too good for us to keep it to ourselves? I'm reminded when I was nine years old, I looked my mom in the eye and I said, one day I want to tell everybody about Jesus. And can I tell you, friends, I had no idea that I would later be called to preach. I had no idea it was the will of God that I would be an evangelist. But simply, I knew what happened just three years prior, and I knew that this was too good to keep to myself. 
It's always amazing to me how some people will come up to me after service and they'll say things like this. Well, Caleb, I would like to be more vocal for the Lord. I would like to share my faith. But however, I'm just not like you. I just don't have a personality like you. I'm not an evangelist. I'm not called to pulpit ministry. And I'm thinking to myself, what does you have being an evangelist got to do with it? What does you being called to pulpit ministry got to do with it? If you've been washed by the blood of the Lamb, if you've been pulled out of the miry clay, your feet set upon solid ground, if you've been restored, redeemed, if you've been healed, if you've been touched by the Holy Ghost, if once at one time in your life you were broken, busted, and disgusted, but then you met a man by the name of Jesus and had a radical encounter with the Holy Ghost, how many of you know here tonight you can't keep it to yourself, but you must share it with the world? It's amazing. People don't mind opening up their mouths about everything else that don't matter. <laughs> Nowadays, we know what kind of car you bought before you even drove off the lot because you done posted 15 pictures on Facebook. <laughs> you don't mind opening up your mouth about sports, about politics, about gas prices, about inflation, telling anybody and everybody your opinion. And let's just be honest, most opinions aren't worth a box of rocks. And everybody always wants to open their mouth then. But I want to find somebody here tonight that's a Bible thumper, Holy Ghost filled, that will open up their mouths under shame, that will say, I'm going to lift up the name about every name. I'm going to tell sinners there's a hell to shun, there's a heaven to gain. And I'm going to tell everybody what Jesus has done for me. Because how many of you know here tonight that what Jesus has done for me and he's done for you that he can do for them as well? The Bible in the book of Romans asked a question that said, how will they know without a preacher? And how many of you know, friends, that we must still do what Mark chapter 16 and Matthew chapter 28 commands us to do, and that is fulfill the Great Commission. How many of you know it's a commandment, not a suggestion? Here it is that you would think that Nathaniel would be happy to hear this wonderful news. That finally they have found him. Just think about it. Here it is that Philip said that we have found him. In other words, they had been searching for him. I just want to ask you tonight, have you been searching for him? If you and God used to be close and now it seems like he's a million miles away, can I tell you, friends, he's not the one that moved. But the amazing thing is the Bible says in the book of James, draw near to him and he'll draw near to you. So the question is here tonight, just how close to God do you really want to be? Or do you want to be close at all? For some people, just simply Sunday morning is enough. But how many of you know the more you fall in love with him, the more you want to spend time with him? Mm. Here it is that Nathaniel's response is a little surprising. Instead of being happy and getting like you would think that most people would be, that they have finally found the Christ. Instead, his immediate response and question is, can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? I was thinking this afternoon, the world is wondering, can any good thing come out of Blount County? Can any good thing come out of Trafford? Or should I say now since you moved up the road, can any good thing come out of Locust Fort? And what we must do is invite them to come and see. I love his response here because I'm just going to be honest. Uh, Philip's response is not like most, and to be truthfully honest, probably not like what my response would have been. 
Notice that he didn't argue. He didn't fight. Notice he didn't even get defensive about it. But he simply just gave him an open invitation and said, come and see. How many of you know that it's one thing for us to tell people about how good God is and how real he is, but how many of you know here tonight that they must see for themselves? Some of you here tonight are worried because you have a family member or a friend or a neighbor or whoever it is that may be agnostic, may be an atheist, may not even believe in God. But I want to encourage you in the name of the Lord. I understand that time is short, but it's not run out. What we got to do is stand in the gap and choose to believe that God will reveal himself to them. How many of you know that the Lord has a way of doing that? How many of you know that he can show up and show out, not just within these four walls, but every single day of our lives? As I shared with you earlier this week, my best friend, his wife, got baptized in the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues, and they were at the kitchen table. He didn't even lay his hand on her, but simply the Holy Ghost touched her. Here it is. He said, come and see. I want to ask you here tonight, who did you invite to revival this week? Who did you invite to revival tonight? Who have you invited to church? Who have you invited to come and see? You want to know one reason why I believe that you were having a lot of visitors? It's not because of the new building, but it's because of the way that the Lord is moving within the building. And I believe that people will come and see for themselves there's something different about this church because they allow the Holy Ghost to have his way. Amen. Come and see. How many of you know that some people will never come without an invitation? And what we must do is invite them. Not just to church, but we must invite them with the way that we live. How many of you understand here tonight that we are representatives and we are also should be ambassadors for Christ? How many of you understand that this goes far beyond just one week out of the year or just a Sunday morning or just a Wednesday night? But how many of you know every single day and everything that you do when you're at school, when you're on the job, when you're encountering somebody, when you're at the restaurant and your waiter or waitress has forgotten about you and the service isn't that good? I want to ask you here tonight, are you still letting your light shine before all men so that somebody will want to come and see what the Lord is doing? Isn't it amazing? how people will have a Holy Ghost hold down on Sunday morning. Go out to eat and act like a fool, like they're not even saved. Do you know that a lot of people, a lot of waitress and waitresses hate working on Sundays because that's when the church crowd comes. Not when all the Christians come, but when the church crowd comes. How many of you know that you can come to church and still not be a Christian? It's amazing to me. There have been times before where I've gone to preach at a church. The pastor will take me out after service. And they'll order hot wings or something like that. And their mouth is burning and their water is low. And all of a sudden they act like they got no sense. Like they don't even know who Jesus is. And they're awful to the waiter and the waitress. And I'm sitting there by myself thinking, man, this is embarrassing. I don't want nobody to know that this man is a preacher. And then all of a sudden he invites them to church, barely leaves a tip. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, why would they want to come to your church? 
Why would anybody want your God if this is how his people act? Can I just tell you here this tonight? If you're going to go out to eat after service or even if you go shopping, wherever the case is, and you're going to tell people that you're a member of the Home for Lost Church, please represent the church in a good light. Because I'm just going to be honest, you're doing more harm than good if you're wearing the church t-shirt around and you're walking around outside acting like you ain't got no sense, hurting people's feelings. How many of you know that we must always act like we're saved? I didn't hear enough amens right there. I was going to go on to the next point, but maybe I should stay on this one for a while. Come and see. Isn't it amazing how Jesus gives us an open invitation at any time that we can come and see? One of my former pastors, a man by the name of Larry Craig, he was a, a hospice chaplain for many years before he retired. He was a pastor and also a hospice chaplain. And he told me, he said, Caleb, he said, it's amazing how many people reject God, want nothing to do with him, but all of a sudden they're, uh, they're lying on their deathbed just moments before they cross over into eternity, and all of a sudden they get to rethinking this thing. And he said, it's amazing just moments before people died, how many people surrendered their life to Jesus Christ and asked for repentance. But how many of you know here tonight that life is short and none of us are promised tomorrow? And I want to tell every single person in the house, because it would be a mess for me to assume that everybody in the building is saved. Maybe you've been in this thing all of your life, and maybe you've been around it, and I want to invite you here tonight to come and see that the Lord is good. How many of you know here tonight, when you have a radical encounter with Jesus Christ, you'll never be the same again? Mm. Here it is that Nathaniel said unto him, which thou knowest me. Jesus, Jesus answered and said unto him, I'm in verse 48, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Aren't you thankful tonight, church, that Jesus sees you right where you are? Sometimes we're overlooked by people. Amen. I've had people overlook me Pretty much my whole life, a lot of people didn't want to adopt me. Well, he ain't never going to make it, so we're not going to adopt him. Well, praise the Lord, the, uh, my parents, they didn't listen to the doctors, they didn't listen to man. But praise the Lord, they looked to God. People overlooked me in my ministry. There have been pastors, I've been preaching 14 years, and there have been some pastors there just now booking me for the first time this year. And then all of a sudden they said, well, Caleb, if I knew you could preach like that, I would have booked you 10 years ago. And I'm like, well, you could have found out 10 years ago had you had taken a step of faith and actually had me come. Amen. So I'm just going to be honest. I'm used to being overlooked. It's okay. David was almost overlooked by the man of God. Samuel went to Jesse's house, walked up to one brother, thinking maybe this one is going to be the one. And the Holy Ghost said no. Then he went to another one, and the Holy Ghost said no. And then he goes to another son, and all of a sudden God speaks to him, and he said, I don't look at the outward appearance like man does. He said, but I look at the heart. And then he asked him, he said, don't you have another son? Here it is. It seems like David almost got looked by the man of God. 
Maybe some of you have been overlooked by different people in your life. Maybe you have a number of siblings and maybe you were never the favorite. I was the baby, so I was. Amen. Maybe you felt overlooked by your parents. Maybe you felt overlooked uh, by your friends. Maybe you feel overlooked by your family members. Maybe you feel isolated. Maybe you feel all alone and all by yourself. And maybe you're wondering, how come when I'm sick, how come when I'm out that nobody calls on me, that nobody checks up on me, that nobody comes to visit me? But can I tell you here tonight that as long as you have Jesus, you're never by yourself, not one single second. But how many of you know that God is always right there? And aren't you thankful that tonight he sees you exactly where you are? Amen. He sees you where you are, and he knows exactly what it is that you are going through. And aren't you thankful that God is always right there? You may be overlooked by man, but you'll never be overlooked by God. He loved you so much, he sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for you. And how many of you know that we're called to let our light shine before all men? And we can't keep this to ourselves. But we must invite the world out there to come and see for themselves. What I'm praying and believing for, that this revival will not end, but simply it will just continue. I am praying that you will have people there so drunk out of their mind that they will come into this place and all of a sudden they will have a radical encounter with God and they will get drunk on the Holy Ghost. I am believing that people will come and see. i never forget, I was 22 years old. I went to preach my first out-of-state revival in Arkansas. I gave the altar call, and a man walked up to the altar, pulled something out of his back pocket. It was a substance. He laid it on the altar in front of God and everybody, and he said, Pastor, I don't need this anymore because I just found Jesus. talking about where people will come and see that they don't need substances or anything like that because they have faith. I'm talking about one time I knew a story of a man that always had a drinking problem and he came down to the altar, had a radical encounter. He was touched by the Holy Ghost. He went to his house. He opened up all of his beer cans, stood over, stood over the sink, and he began to pour them all down. And the pastor had a word with him first. He said, look, he said, what you're going to do, because he told the pastor after church, he said, what you're going to do is a noble thing. It's a great thing. He said, but I just just want to tell you when you go home and you're pouring the beer down the sink he said when your 12 year old son is standing there he's watching to see if it's really going to stick he's watching to see if you really mean it he's watching to see if you're going to go back out and buy it more and the pastor told him he said before you go home and pour it all down the sink he said you got to know that you know that you know that you're never going to touch it again and can I tell you friends he went home poured it all down and he's never touched the stuff since Don't you tell me, well, I just got a smoking problem, I just got a drinking problem, I just got a cussing problem, or whatever the case may be, or gossiping. I want to tell you, come and see, let the Holy Ghost touch you, and I want to tell you here tonight, you will never be the same again. Come and see. It's the reason why we give the altar call. Can God touch you in your seat wherever you're seated at this house or even if you're watching my Facebook live tonight in the conference on your own house? Of course. But there's something about when you take a step of faith and you come and see for yourself.
well, Caleb, I've heard about what the Lord did in, in, in Mark chapter 5 where the woman that issued a blood reached out and touched his clothes and all of a sudden that she was instantly and immediately healed. And I've heard about God doing signs, wonders, and miracles. And I've prayed for people and I've even seen people with, uh, within front of my own eyes be healed and radically touched and never the same again. But I kind of wonder, can God really do it for me? Will he really do it for me? And I want to tell you, friends, all you got to do is just come and see. Walk by faith and not by sight. Trust and put your faith in the Lord and believe that God can touch you. Mm. Never forget, I was preaching in Hodgenville, Kentucky. Woman came up for prayer on a Tuesday. She had a tumor growing on her side. She came up by faith in front of everybody. Went to the doctor two days later on a Thursday. They took x-rays. Said, ma'am, I don't know how to explain this to you, but the tumor is gone. And I think to myself, that is so awesome how the Lord radically touched her and healed her. But my question that I wonder about, how many more people were sitting in that service that the Lord would have touched and would have healed had simply they just came and walked by faith? What kind of thought and attitude do you have? Are you kind of like Nathaniel that you're always negative? I don't know about you, but I can't stand to be around negative nannies. People ask me all the time. I've been an evangelist for 14 years. Do you want a pastor? Are you going to be a pastor? Sometimes I think I'm finally spiritually mature enough. Then I think about how much people get on my nerves, and I think, no, I cannot pastor. I better keep on doing what I'm doing. Amen. But I cannot stand to be around negative people. Well, what if this doesn't work out? What if this falls apart? What if I know we're taking a step of faith, but I'm looking at the numbers, I'm looking at the budget, and what if we don't take enough up in the offering to do this? If I was a pastor, I'd be thinking to myself, what if you would just shut up, walk by faith, not by sight, and just choose to believe in God? What if, what if, what if we would just make up our minds here tonight that we're just going to trust in Jesus and we're going to believe that he's going to make a way where there seems to be no way. Come and see. Do you remember the first time that you were in church? Or maybe the first time you was in a Pentecostal church. Amen. I don't remember the first time I was in church because I was like four days old the first time I was in church. But I do remember the first time I was in a Pentecostal church. I grew up in the Methodist church, and I remember when I first went to Pleasant Grove Church of God, it was a little different. Methodist church, the pastor said, let's pray. He prayed. We listened. Church of God, Pentecostal churches, everybody's praying, and a lot of them are praying in tongues. I'm thinking to myself, this is a little different. I guess I can get used to it. I don't understand what they're saying, but they seem like nice people. I never forget, as a teenager, I used to sit in the back, then the middle, and I would sit there through the service, but Caleb Gordon was not going up for the altar call. I was not going forward to the altar, and I wasn't closing my eyes either. <laughs> Amen. First, I had to make sure that they weren't handling snakes, <laughs> and then once I knew that they didn't do that, I still wasn't going forward. 
I never forget there was just one particular service on a Sunday night. I was sitting in the back of the church. Finally, finally, after all this time, I get brave enough to go to the altar. I'm walking up and I get about right here and I see the pastor lay his hand on somebody and they pass out. And I said to myself, uh-uh. And I turned around and went back to my seat. Understand, I grew up in a non-Pentecostal church. I'm thinking to myself, these people are crazy. Somebody just passed out. Nobody's checking on them. Nobody is calling EMT. It's like, I asked them, I said, what's going on? They said, somebody got slain in the spirit. I said, that looks painful. I said, you ain't slain in me in the spirit. So here it is. This is like a whole new world for me. But I felt God there. Amen. Amen. And can I tell you, friends, that's the Holy Ghost calling some of you, telling you to come and see. <laughs> Amen. Y'all been ignoring him all day, so he's got to call you during church. So here it is, one particular summer, my youth pastor has a novel idea that all summer long he's going to teach on nothing but being baptized in the Holy Spirit. My eyes got the size of golf balls, amen. He taught me and he kept on telling me he would not relent that it was available and it was for everybody. And me being a teenager, I started to become a little bit skeptical after a little bit because I'm thinking to myself, if it's really for everybody, then why don't I have it? I went to a youth service one time in Knoxville, Tennessee, and over 3,000 teenagers got it. But I did not. And I started really questioning, God, is this really for everybody? They're telling me it is, but I'm having a hard time believing it because I can't seem to get it. And the youth pastor told me, Caleb, don't give up. Don't get discouraged. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep seeking God. And it will happen when you least expect it. Two days before my 18th birthday, we were in revival on a Tuesday night for evangelists. My hands lifted high, my eyes closed, tears running down my eyes. I said, God, I need you more than I need my next breath. And all of a sudden it happened. And I've never been the same since. <laughs> there was a man that got saved in his 20s. 40 years later, he finds himself in his mid-60s. Lives in Ohio, an hour east of Cincinnati. He's preaching on a Sunday morning, Sunday night. That night, I preached on the Holy Ghost. And I said, I don't care if you're six or if you're 66, the Lord can fill you. The man of God started praying again. And he said, Lord, I know it's real. I believe it's real because my wife prays in tongues every day. He said, but I'm believing what the evangelist said, and I'm asking you to fill me. And can I tell you, friends, before the man left that church, he was speaking in new tongues. 
Some of you here tonight, you love this church. You've been coming to this church for a long time. You know the power of God is real. You know the baptism is real. You believe in signs, wonders, and miracles, and you believe in healings, and you believe in all this stuff. But you kind of question secretly, and you kind of ask yourself, and you ask God privately, God, can I really receive it? God, it must not be for me. But friends, I want to tell you here tonight, if Caleb Gordon can receive it, if Patty Gordon can receive it, I want to tell you here tonight, it's available for all. And I'm asking you to come and see. Come and see what a personal revival is like. I know the church is in revival, but I'm talking about a personal revival. I'm talking about where God is the first thing you think about in the morning. He's the last thing you think about at night. I'm talking about where you're walking to the mailbox and all of a sudden you feel the Holy Ghost hit you and you just start praying in another language. I'm talking about when you take some time aside from your day and you said, you know what, I'm going to get off social media for a little bit. I'm not going to watch TV, Netflix, or whatever the case may be, and I'm going to spend one-on-one time with God. If you've never done that, I want to invite you to. And if you're already doing it, I want to invite you to do it even more. I never will forget about an invitation that a Pentecostal minister gave one time. He was an older minister, and he challenged all the young ministers to pray 10 minutes a day in the spirit. And some of them were like, wow, 10 minutes a day praying in the spirit? That's a lot. I'm thinking to myself, this language ain't ain't got no power in the church. We think praying 10 minutes a day is something thinking to myself, my vocal cords ain't even got warmed up yet. (laughs) I want to invite you to come and see what it's like when you open up the Bible and just get lost in his presence. I'm not saying you got to be legalistic about it. I'm not saying you got to set a a timer, but I'm just talking about when's the last time that you were at home and you were spending time with God and the time just started to tick by because you just got lost in the presence of God. Come and see for yourself that Jesus is real. I've been giving my testimony all week long. Told you almost everything about me I can tell you. Divorce, bankrupt. My mom passed away after her first year of ministry. My brother died when he was seven. Car crashed in my apartment, destroyed my entertainment center. I've had to start over financially twice in my life. It's not always been an easy road. But I'm telling you, God is good. But don't just take my word for it. Come and see for yourself. If you will, please stand as I'm ready to close. I love what happens next. In verse 49 and verse 50. Nathanael answered and said unto him, Rabbi, thou art the son of God. Thou art the king of Israel. And listen to what Jesus says next in verse 50. Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou. Listen to this last verse. 
thou shalt see greater things than these. Amen. Home for Lost Church, you have seen some great things. Amen. And so have I. But I believe here tonight, we're going to see even greater things. Lord, I pray right now you touch every single soul in the house. I pray, Lord, that you will move, operate, and minister here tonight. And I pray, Father, Lord, if there's any atheists, if there's any skeptics, if there's any agnostics, Lord, I pray that you will move on them and you will show them just how real you are. I pray, Lord, here tonight, if there's anybody that doesn't know you or have a walk or relationship with you, if they will taste and see that the Lord is good. And I pray, Lord, dear, tonight before we leave this place, that people will make sure that things are right with you. Amen. And, Lord, I pray here tonight that you will fill somebody with the Holy Ghost that is not filled. I pray, Lord, that you will touch somebody in a supernatural way and you will heal them to such a degree that they can only give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the credit. And, Lord, here tonight, I pray every single soul in the house, beginning with myself, will be like Philip. And we will go out there into the world and tell them about your son. And what he's done for us, he can do for them as well. Home for the Lost Church, this is our last service together. I've got to go to the next place. But the work of God here is not stopping. Amen. The man of God's got to go up the road. But praise the Lord, the Holy Ghost is always here. Yeah. And the best is yet to come. And I want to invite you one more time on this Wednesday night. Will you come and see for yourself? And will you walk down to this altar right now? And for these next few moments, can we just let the Holy Ghost have his way? Can we do that? Whether you're a member, whether you're a visitor, can we just get out of our seats right now? Not worry about what's next. Not worry about where we're going to do or what we're going to eat or what we got to do tomorrow. But for the next few moments, can we just think about the one that left heaven, came down to the earth, that died on the cross for our sins? Can we just focus on him here tonight? Lord, touch us here tonight, Lord. Save the lost and fill them with the Holy Ghost. Lord, we're asking you here tonight to break chains of depression and oppression and things that people were going through. And I pray here tonight, Lord, that you will touch them in a way that only you can. In Jesus' name.